Welcome to another episode of the Minor Tweak Major Impact podcast. This is the second episode of our plant science series, and we had the pleasure of speaking with Melissa Molo, who is a PhD candidate in the plant pathology department at the University of Kentucky, where she studies virus-host interactions in plants. She likes doing outreach activities to promote plant health and advocating for diversity and inclusion in science. Melissa is originally from Mexico City and she loves learning about different cultures. She also enjoys reading suspense books and historical novels. In this episode, we talked with Melissa about her work, minor tweaks in plant pathology methods, challenges for international students, her work as an international student advocate, and more. So let's jump right in. Melissa, I would like to welcome you to the Minor Tweak Major Impact podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Melissa, can you please first tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're currently working on? Hello, everyone. My name is Melissa Molho. I'm an international grad student in the plant pathology department at the University of Kentucky, and I'm in my last year of PhD. I study virus house interactions in plants. Specifically, I study viral replication. My work is basic research, which means most of my projects have not an immediate application, but they are important to understand how the virus infects the cells and in the future, hopefully, develop strategies to fight back plant viral diseases. Great. And how did you first get interested in plant science? To be honest, it was more a passion that I developed because at the beginning, I was mainly interested in viruses. In college, actually, I was working with bacteriophages, which are viruses that infect bacteria. But this bacteria actually was a symbiont in plants. So when I started my PhD, I was taking classes of plant pathogens, and I just got amazed for the huge diversity of plant diseases and the impact they have in our economy and lifestyle, of course. I got interested about the different mechanisms that plants use to protect themselves. And that is how I developed my passion for plant sciences and mainly plant pathogens. That's very exciting. So yeah, right now, I think the world is really looking at the coronavirus that gets humans sick. But I think something that people might not think often is that plants can actually get sick from viruses as well, right? So for someone who might be very new to the field of plant pathology, can you please tell us a little bit about how plant health is important to achieve food security and what kind of work is necessary for that? That is an excellent question. And yes, as you just mentioned, plants can get sick too. And that is kind of the slogan we always use when I do outreach activities. Because similar to humans, plants are susceptible to many pathogens or germs, just such as bacteria, fungi, and of course, viruses. It is important to understand plant pathology and like to look for plant health because plants produce over 80% of our food, including vegetables and fruits. And even the dairy and meat products that we consume, they come from animals and they also eat plants. So plants are very important to achieve food security, or in other words, plants are important to guarantee that everyone has access to safe and nutritious food. Unfortunately, that is not like an easy task because we lost from 20 to 40% of our crops to plant diseases and pests. And actually those losses cost the economy more than $220 billion per year. So in the world that we live right now, where one of nine people already suffer from hunger, and by 2050, the population will increase, we need to produce at least the double of food that we are producing now. 
to feed the population. So to guarantee that now or in 30 years, everyone has access to enough food, we need to take a multidisciplinary approach, including reforms in human resources, management of natural resources, rural inf infrastructure, and agricultural research. So pretty much to summarize what I just say is to protect our food crops and achieve food security, it is essential to invest in plant sciences and maintain collaborations across the food sectors. Great. And if you had to walk us through like a typical experiment that you usually do for your work, what does that look like? Well, in my case, I mainly work in the lab. There are other grad students in my department who also do research in the field, but my work is what we call wet lab. So in many cases, I work with Nicotiana Ventamiana, which is a model plan. Biologists love this plant because it's very small, cheap, and it's very easy to get infected with multiple viruses. This plant is related to tobacco plant, and we use it because it's very susceptible to viruses. So a typical experiment for me is, for example, knock down certain parts of the plant, like the genes of the plant, and then what I do is I infect the plant. What happens after that? If after knocking down that gene, the symptoms of the plan were higher or were reducer, the viral replication was higher or was slower. And based on that, I can just make conclusions like this gene is important for the virus to replicate because it helps the virus or this gene is important for the plant to protect itself against the virus. Great. And did you ever experience any minor tweak major impact moments during your research? And that is a question that I always ask on this podcast. But did you ever have any methods that, for example, they worked and then all of a sudden they stopped working for some reason, or maybe they just never worked from the beginning or anything? Did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, to be honest, I guess I have experienced a lot of tweaks during my PhD. <laughs> Most of the times I just call them lessons or not mistakes. <laughs> And for me, it's common, at least in my case, that every time that I do an experiment for the first time, it usually will not work. And it's mainly because I have not practiced doing that experiment or I just, well, the lack of experience about it. So for some of the experiments, all I need is practicing. So I remember when I started to use the confocal microscope to see uh, fluorescent proteins, the first times I couldn't see anything. And I was very frustrated and I thought I would never be able to see anything. And I asked my friends in the department and I asked my friends in the lab who had experience and they just like sit down and could sit easily. And I was just like, okay, I will never be able to manage this. But after a couple of months and a lot of trial and errors and recommendations and blah, 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 I realized that the only thing I needed to change actually was my mind setting from I cannot do this to I can do it. Yeah, most of the time it will just take time and we have to be patient. So yeah, that's like one of my major tricks. So every time I start an experiment, I just have my mind like in peace with myself that if it doesn't work, it's okay. I can just try again. Great. And other than just like really having like a I can do this attitude for those things, do you have any other recommendations for anybody who might be experiencing things like that when they're working on projects? I think that my major advice to everyone is always just be patient. Even if right now you cannot get the results or you cannot do that experiment, with time and practice, you can dominate any technique. 
people who are very good at doing something is just because they have so many years of experience already doing that. Great. And now shifting gears a little bit. So you're actually originally from Mexico City, but you're an international student in the US and you're also an international student advocate. Can you please tell us a little bit more about your work advocating for international students? Absolutely. When I was in my fourth year of my PhD, I had the need to get more involved. So it was around the time there were a lot of immigration and travel restrictions for internationals in the U.S. I felt the need to do other things besides my research. So I decided to join the Grad Student Congress in my university as the advocate for international students. I actually joined because that was one of the positions that was open. So I didn't know what to do or I didn't know what to expect. So I just take it pretty much. But as an international student myself and a grad student, we face a lot of challenges. Being far away from home in a different culture with a different language and not having support network at the beginning. Yeah, it's very difficult to handle. I wanted to make sure that international students feel welcome and accepted. And I started to do and organize cross-cultural events, telling domestic people or talking about the importance with them of international students. So I wanted to make sure that we all knew why international students are important, not only economically, but also culturally and also as people. To be honest, it was harder than I thought because, as I mentioned earlier, all the immigration restrictions and all the news sometimes we listen every day. It is not really helping the case against immigrants. It doesn't matter if they are students or not. But you know what they say, like, together we are stronger. So with the Grad Student Congress and the university and everything, we just focus on make sure that the international students have the tools they needed to succeed. That's pretty much part of the work I do. That's very exciting. And if somebody wants to learn more about all the efforts that you're doing for the international students, what's the best way to do that? Well, like locally in the University of Kentucky, we have a website that is the Grad Student Congress of the University of Kentucky. And there is a um, group. At the beginning, actually, I was the advocate and I was the only person. But based on the needs, we decided to create a committee that now is the International Students Concerns Committee. And that committee has like a section in the website of the Grad Student Congress. And they can reach out to me. I can also be found in Twitter with my name, Elisa Molho. And then I'll be happy to share what I know. And the Grad Student Congress in the university is very welcoming and it's very like to collaborate. So I could always talk to them and then see what we can do to advocate for international students, not only in the university, but in a more regional or national level. That sounds great. In the beginning, you mentioned that you're right now in the last year of your PhD program. And I was wondering, do you have already a plan for where your journey will go after you finish your PhD? Are you going to stay in the US or go somewhere else? Or do you know what you will be working on? Well, right now I'm in that part of looking what I will do next. I have some ideas. I know I will do a postdoc, hopefully in the US. 
I would like to stay to gain more practical experience. I would love to keep working with viruses, either plant viruses or animal viruses. I am applying for positions and I am contacting professors to ask them if they have any space in their lab and so on. So yeah, I'm in like that transition phase. <laughs> That's exciting. My last question, as always on this show, is if you were allowed to make a wish for a tool that would make the life of researchers easier and the work more efficient, what would that be? And this is our fun question and any answers are allowed. Yeah, that is a super cool question. In my case, it would be cool to have one of those robots that look like you. <laughs> so my boss will think that I'm at the lab working hard. And of course, the robot will need to do all the experiments, like those little annoying repetitive experiments. It makes you feel very tired at the end, repeating 50 times from one tube to another one just to dilute something. So that would be cool to have. And because, yeah, it could be anything and with technology. So hopefully <laughs> that is like in my wish list. That's an awesome idea. I really like it. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners today? I would like to say that studying plants, it's important because plants are important for us to eat and to produce clothes and furniture and etc. So for anyone who is interested to learn more about plant health or plant sciences, please feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to share what I do a little bit more in detail and also like what it is to be in grad school or, and what it is to be an international grad student in the U.S. Great. Melissa, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and insights on the Minor Tweak Major Impact podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great. This is your host, Anita, and we look forward to being with you for our next episode. This program was produced by H Media. We'll see you soon.